Welcome to this week's podcast from Capital Church's Young Adult Service. We hope this message encourages you, and thank you for joining us. We're going through a little series um, at Capital Youth, where I have the honor to uh, be the youth pastor there. Um, and we're going through a series called Real Talk, and we're just having real conversations about things that are uh, uncommon to talk about. Uh, so I kind of used this last or two months ago, and I want to kind of just repurpose it for uh, to, tonight. And uh, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Garrison and Pastor Tracy uh, for allowing me to, to even be able to speak up here. Uh, it's kind of cool because for me, um, I'm used to junior hires on this side and then high schoolers on this side. So like, I'm always preaching right here because over there, like picking their nose and like they're on their Game Boys. So I'm like, if I avoid you on this side, it's just a bad habit. Okay, this is the junior high side. So I'm gonna focus on over here a little bit more. But don't, don't blame me, okay? Blame the junior hires. Um, but... Let's just, let's just pray real fast, and then we can get, get this thing going. Sound good? All right, God, thank you for tonight. I just pray again, uh, like John said, that, that you can just come into this place, and you can just move and speak however you want to move and speak. Uh, we give you the space to do exactly just that. Um, open our hearts and our ears. Um, even those who um, haven't been here before, God, allow this message to be um, like honey to their, to their ears, God, to their hearts. God, allow this to, to, to go into the depths of who we are, Jesus, and transform us from the inside out. Uh, so we trust you with our hearts in this time and your son's amazed. And then we pray, amen. Amen. So if you are a note taker, um, you can title this, How Do I Win the Battle in My Mind? It's a long title. Uh, if you like a short title, type the word or write the word think, T-H-I-N-K, think. Um, so I admittedly, um, I'm not the best basketball player. Um, obviously, I did not play basketball. If you didn't know, I'm not a basketball player. Um, I'm used to a more contact uh, in, this, in, in, in sports. Um, like pickleball, right? Thank you, Caleb. Like pickleball. It's an aggressive sport. Uh, but I'm, I'm used to, like, aggressive, like, contact sports, basketball not being one of them. And we play basketball every single Wednesday here um, after, after a little youth group, a little small group time. We, get, we have fun. It gets a little too competitive sometimes, which isn't an issue until it's an issue. Um, but about two weeks ago, it was an issue. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, I don't fully understand uh, the rules or the technique behind basketball? Like, I don't know. I, I, I mean, hear me out. Um, you could do it, like a foul isn't a foul unless it hurts. You know what I'm saying? Like, is that, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's why it's called it, it, a foul because it's foul. Like, it's out of pocket. That hurt. It's not called a touch, like, you know, so, like, it has to hurt you for it to be a foul. And so we're playing basketball on Wednesday, and, like, yo, Rob, you're fouling. But no, I'm not. I'm just touching. It's contact. Get used to it. It's part of the sport. And and so we're, we're playing this game, and I'm losing. And I, I just I just hate to lose. <laughs> about me? Uh, I despise losing. Uh, Mama did not raise a loser. And so I did not want to lose. I would not try to lose. I will try everything, including adding a little bit more contact uh, to win. And so, uh, I mean, gently, gently, con- I'm not going to hurt you. I mean, it's like a gentle love touch, you know, like, like, like a, you know, a stiff arm, like football, you know, I, I don't know, right? But we're playing this game, and my dear friend, 
whose name will be uh, unspoken today because of embarrassment, Sal. Um, and uh, <laughs> we're, we're playing this game, and my friend, my gym partner, Sal, we're, he, he calls a foul while he's on defense. And I look at him, and I say, Sal, you can't call a foul on defense. And he eyes me and says, no, you can. Probably add some more words in there, like, you're, you're an idiot, Rob. What are you talking about? You don't know. I know, like, Sal, pray for your heart. I'm kidding, kidding. It's not how it went. Maybe, maybe a little bit. I don't know. It's probably me calling him an idiot. I don't know. Right? And so we're having this argument, and I came to the conclusion that I just don't know how to play basketball. So I'm just going to act like I do. I'm just going to do what I do best, and hopefully it works out. It never does. I always lose because I, I can't even dribble. Like, why, why am I playing this game? I don't know. I'm not a point guard, but I, I, I try. But my, my point is this, right? And in, in, in playing games like basketball or football or even this thing we call life, um, we didn't know the, the rules. We didn't know, like, what's actually going on, how to, how to play this game, um, how, to, how to do this sport, or even, like, how to live life of a Christian. If I'm being honest, I feel like some of us don't even know how to do that. And it isn't like, that isn't like your fault necessarily, but tonight I'm going to just kind of try to like encourage you and kind of teach you and give you guys some wisdom on like how to actually win this battle. Okay. So I think we can all agree that we live in a generation of opinions. Pretty, pretty fair. I mean, it's Thanksgiving time, so your table is going to be very opinionated. Uh, I'm praying for you guys. Um, some, some, are, some are heavier or louder than others, but many of us don't know or don't fully recognize um, what we're actually battling against um, in, this, in this war, in, in this world. Um, in reality, as, as Christians, we're battling a war against um, not only the flesh, but also against Satan, uh, the great deceiver. But I'm, I'm saying this, and I'm trying to preface this to make it like a little bit lighter and less like spiritual, because I feel like some of us get like really freaked out when we talk about like spiritual battles, but I'm just going to go after it, okay? I'm going to have a real talk. Sound good? word. So from the very beginning, um, the serpent was been on a, on a mission. Satan was on a mission to take us out of relationship with God uh, by twisting truths and turning them into lies. Um, he's in the business of distorting the image and character of God. Um, and isn't that crazy now? Because if he's trying or has been in the, in the, in the industry of twisting the image or ruining the image of God, He's going to try to ruin us because we are made in whose image? God's. So we have to understand something about Satan. He doesn't really care so much um, that you follow him out of the garden. Meaning this, he doesn't really care so much if you uh, follow him. His, his entire goal is for you to stop following Jesus, stop following God. Don't believe me. Remember in the, in the garden, if you know this, the story in Genesis, uh, you can find it in Genesis 2. Um, he doesn't say, hey, Eve, good job. You ate the fruit. Proud of you. Now follow me. It's not what he says. He, he wasn't concerned about Eve following him. He was concerned about Eve stop being in relationship with Jesus, with, with God. Because the devil is trying to have you leave so he knows that he has to start in your mind. Because what you see, what you believe, what you believe is what you do. I'm going to say it again. What you see is what you do, or what you believe, and what you believe is what you do, right? Where your heart is, you go after it, Right? And so the devil knows that he has to attack the way you think so he can disrupt the way you go. 
devil knows he has to attack the way you think so he can disrupt where you're going. So the battle of our mind is really the battle of, of opinions of the opposition versus the obedience in truth. So the battle in our mind is really battling the opinions of the opposition or the world or Satan, right? Versus the obedience in truth. In 2 Corinthians, it says this, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not raging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Hey, I just want to do this. Um, we're going to start it over. Go, go to verse 3. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're not a, a church person or a church, or church kid growing up, we're going to replace the word flesh with the word world. Okay? So, for though we walk in the world, we are not waging war according to the world. The world. The weapons of warfare are not of the world, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy every argument and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And honestly, opinions cannot supersede the truth of Jesus. It says that we destroy every argument and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And the truth is that opinions cannot supersede the truth of who Jesus is. And it cannot supersede who Jesus makes you. See, the battle in our mind, we have to know the truth. We have to know the truth. And I don't want to get too, um, I guess, too Christianese, right, uh, with my words here. But I want to just say for a second, isn't it funny um, how we can go to church and we get offended or we get nervous when the pastor starts talking about the spiritual stuff? Like, we can, we can go into the world and we'll see kids. I'm just saying it. We can see kids wearing, like, pentagrams on their shirts. Or, or, or people are just selling crystals, right? Or, or just doing, like, a horoscopes. And that's just normal. But in the moment we, we mentioned the power of Jesus or the Holy Spirit, people are like, whoa, 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 you're a weirdo, dude. <laughs> and I, I just want to kind of push back for a second and to say maybe, maybe what we have actually has divine power. Maybe the truth is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe the truth is that the Holy Spirit has and will and always empower you. So not everything in this world is a spiritual battle. Let me say that. So I don't want you to teeter-tot to the opposite and go, everything we do is a battle. Yes, you are living in a constant war, but not everything you do is a spiritual battle. You going to McDonald's and picking if you want to have number one or number two is not a spiritual battle. Okay, you can pray for it, sure, but it's pick number two, bro. It's bigger, okay? Better decision. Don't even go to McDonald's. It's disgusting, right? <laughs> but you are naturally, because you're in the world, you're, you're, you're at war with the world and with Satan. So there's no mistake in that. Um, but I want to kind of just share a, a quick definition of what uh, spiritual warfare really is. And I kind of said it before, but it's the battling of opinions versus truth. Okay, if you want to just write down what, what spiritual warfare really comes down to, it's, it's you battling the opinions of the world versus you using the, the truths of Jesus. Because in reality, there's only two, two options, true and lies truths 
and lies. There's no gray space, right? There is no in-between. Either it's a yes or it's a no, right? So we, like Paul, we have to know that we are weak humans, and that, but, but we cannot always use the human plans, or we can't depend on human plans and human methods to win spiritual battles. See, if we did use human plans, would those weapons even work? And if so, for how long? By that, I'm meaning this, right? Why would Satan create a weapon that would destroy him and give it to you? If he has reign over the world, why would he give you something of the world that will help you beat him? So in reality, we have to know what, what has God given us to help us win these battles. So God has given us mighty weapons, and they're available every single day to fight against the strongholds of our lives. And what is a stronghold? It's a place where a particular cause or belief is strongly defended or upheld. So a stronghold is is simply the something that you've built up time after time after time of believing that it begins to be so big and so out of control, you know on your own you cannot defeat it. And so I want to kind of, and we're using words like, like warfare and strongholds and traps because in reality, every single day, you have to know that you are in a battle, right? You're, you're, you're in a war. And so, yes, you'll have moments of being in full battle and moments of being, right, at, at the base camp. But right now, I kind of want to tell you guys the, the situation report of this battle. The first thing is this. We are in a battle every single day, daily. Uh, we are going against the world. Every single day, we're going against the enemy. But who in reality is our enemy? Our enemy is simply Satan. And I want to say this as a, as a preface, okay? You are not the enemy. I want to say that again. You are not the enemy. But by, me, by me saying that, I'm saying this because there's so many of us who struggle with negative self-talk. Or even attempts to hurt ourselves because the enemy has tried since the beginning of time to distort the image and the image bearers of God. So he's going to try very hard to say, hey, you are the problem. You are the issue. You are broken. You are not good enough. Maybe you should just go away and never come back. See, that's the enemy, not you. So where does, the, where does he try to distort the image? It's all in the mind. Because it's an image, right? The image is seen with your eyes and understood with your brain power. So the mind is the battlefield. And I know that sometimes we feel trapped in our emotions. We feel trapped in our misunderstanding. We feel trapped in our, in our head, in our emotions. And we go, God, like, why can't I just get out of this moment? You feel like you just, you just can't get out of that same thought pattern? That, that, that constant thought that's just ringing in the back of your head, and you don't know why or how you can get out of it. See, the, the issue is, or the, the truth is, how do you get out? There's only one way to get out of those traps or those strongholds, and it's simply Jesus. Jesus has been, is, and will always be the way, the truth, and the life. So by obeying Jesus, you can win those battles. By becoming one of his, part of his family, you inherit a new set of skills a new set of power, a new set of authority. But by choice, it is simply your choice to choose to be part of that inheritance. Yeah. And see, by being an inheritance of what Jesus has set out before you, uh, Isaiah five seventeen says this, for no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. And you shall refute every tongue 
that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me declares the Lord. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. See, when I was uh, a young believer, I thought that becoming um, a Christian, um, I was going to live a life of this rainbows and butterflies. Or that I was going to be like um, the next Clark Kent of Christianity. Okay, hand on the Bible. I'm saved now. I am invincible. No weapon formed against me shall ever prosper. The next day I fall down right and scream my elbow. God, I thought you said no weapon formed against me shall prosper. What is concrete? Why did that hurt? That's not what this means. The weapons that are being fashioned against you are, they're hidden sometimes. They're secretive. How do they try to secede? They're not trying to necessarily kill you, but take you out of the presence of God. So anything that for the moment pulls you away from the goodness of God. And this is, this is kind of tricky here because different things for different peoples are traps and strongholds. For you, it could be your, your, your Instagram or your TikTok or your boyfriend or your, or your girlfriend or the gym or your shoe collection because some, for some reason you created this, this idol that's pulling you out of relationship with who's supposed to be followed. See, for you, it could be social media, but for me, it could be books. For you, it could be community, but for me, it could be isolation. So people have different types of strongholds. But you have to be aware of what is your stronghold or what is your trap or what is the news that, that, that grab your attention. See, the weapons that are fashioned against you shall not secede. See, they're formed against you. See, the, the enemy fashions specific weapons to try to stop you and pull you away from his presence. So you have to be aware. And it says this, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. Isn't that a beautiful verse right there? And you shall refute every tongue. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and your vindication from me declares the Lord. So how do you win? How do you win? How do you win this battle in your mind? You know, like for me, I feel like there's been seasons of my life, 2019 being a big one, where I was in a battle every single second of my mind. You ever just been through like a mental battle before? Like battling against like sin, battling like just like against depressions and anxieties. Like you ever been been there before? Right? So how do you win these battles? I just want to tell you a little acronym, okay? It's the word THINK, T-H-I-N-K. Yes, I can spell. Shout out Boise State. Go Broncos. So, T, when it comes to, to learning how to battle, um, win these battles in your mind, you have to learn how to think. The first word is T, letter T stands for test every thought. You have to learn how to test every single thought you have. And I put this in giant, huge capital words. Not every thought is a God thought. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, probably, it's probably more applicable for, like, high schoolers or junior hires. But in reality, it's for you guys, though, too, because some of you guys and girls have this idea that every thought you have is a God thought. Man, I've been there. I've been there. Oh, my gosh, look at that. That's the Lord calling me. I got to go. It's like, no, no. Not everything you see 
is, is God opening a window for you? Like, don't be the person, right, who doesn't test those, those moments. It says this in Psalms 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous ways in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You have to ask God to search and test your thoughts. And don't believe everything you think. <laughs> like, you know those moments? <laughs> you know those moments? I mean, maybe it's just me, right? I'm like, uh, I don't know how else to say it, but like, I'm like, spaz? Like, I'm like, I'm like very like, like, I don't know how, like, like, if you know me, like, you know, that's how I am. That, that makes sense, right? Does that, does that make sense? For some reason, I have these moments of like, I want to just have pure destruction. Like, like, I'll see somebody and like, it, like, I love you guys so much, but like, in my mind, like, me loving you is like, shaking you, like, I love you so much. Sorry, Mary. Like, I'm like, like, John Jerry knows. He goes, bro, can you just say hi to me? Instead of slapping my bald head. I'm like, I don't know why I do this. It just looks so shiny, right? I don't know why. <laughs> I have to stop. It's not a good idea. <laughs> it's funny, but we do these. We're like, why did I do that? That was not a God thought. Why did I text that boy? Why did I text that girl? Why did I go downtown? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Man, let's right now. God is not going to tell you, hey, go downtown and spread the gospel 15 bottles of beer deep. That is not the Lord. It's funny, but like, do you get my point though, right? Like, do you get my point? Like, you have to be able to test your thoughts, guys. Like a sign of a, a, a mature Christian, of a real warrior, is his ability to, to test every single thought, to weigh every single option, to look at the plan and say, is this actually God's plan or is this my plan? Or even worse, is this the enemy's plan? Because sometimes the enemy's plan looks pretty good, looks pretty, looks shiny, looks cute until it kills you. So T, test every thought. H, H stands for helmet your head. Helmet your head. In other words, wear the armor of God. You know what's crazy um, is that the helmet of salvation uh, or just in general, any kind of helmet, uh, you put a helmet on and you recognize where you're at. Like, hear me out, right? Like, you put like a hard hat on a, a yellow hat, you like, okay, like, like you're in a construction zone, right? You put on a football hat, you're in a football game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, football hat. <laughs> Go Broncos. A football hat. I went to Boise State. <laughs> right? Like you put on you put on like hats, a cowboy hat, you're a cowboy, right? Like like you just know where you're at. What's crazy to me is that we put on the helmet of salvation and we should instantly recognize that we're in a battle. Like when you put on the, the armor of God. Every single morning. And it's funny because as a youth pastor, we, we do the, uh, the armor of God every single camp. Where are my church camp kids at? Yes, you guys know, like the helmet of salvation. Like every single church camp, every single time, every single morning. Good morning, kiddos. Hope the coffee was great. It was decaf. Come on in, right? Put on the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we, we, we do that. And it's funny, though, because like, they go, Pastor Rob, like, why don't you always put on the armor of God? Well, because it's important to know that every single day you're in a battle. 
right? Until we are saved, we don't have protection against the fiery darts. But now that we have Christ Jesus, we have weapons that can help us. Don't believe me? It says this in Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 18. Finally, be strong. I love this. Be strong in what? That's the, like, isn't that something else right there? Not in your own strength or your own power by self-help books or TED Talks, right? But be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh or not against the world and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Real quick, so that that when the day of evil comes... There's a promise in this right here. The day of evil, battles will come, trials will come, the enemy will come and try to attack you. But when the enemy does come, you will be able, maybe able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. After you've tried hard, then do it again. Do it again with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, or as Ricky says, the boots of peace. I love that. The boots of peace, right? In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, with what in mind? With this in mind. With all these things in mind. See, he's, he's telling you, right, for, for a battle, you have to keep these things in mind. Be alert. Keep these in your mind. There's a battle happening, so keep it in mind. And be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So when you take the helmet, you have a new mindset. When you take on the helmet, when you put on the armor of God, you have a new mindset. When you put on a helmet, you know that you're going to be in danger. There's danger around you. There's a reason why you're having to wear the helmet of salvation. Because the, if the enemy is smart, he's going to try to attack your head. What's a heart or a sword without a head? It's a weird-looking chicken walking around all crazy looking. Right? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead chicken. I don't know. It's crazy. But what happens up here matters. What happens in your, in, in your head what happens in your mind matters. Mindsets matter. See, what you see, once again, what you see is what you begin to believe. It transforms your heart. And where your heart is, you begin to go after those things. You know what I'm saying? I don't care who you are. If you watch um, country music videos for over 10 years straight, you're going to start saying yeehaw. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't care who you are. Once you start looking at things, let's go there. Pornography, you start looking at those things, you start over time, your heart begins to get corrupted. If you start just visualizing people's mansions, right, start coveting other people's property, your heart starts desiring those things instead of the kingdom of God. 
See, over time, what you keep looking at, what you put in your head begins to begin where you begin to go, where you start going. See, there's truth in action. So how do you see yourself? Have you been willing to armor yourself daily against the attacks of the enemy? See, your armor matters. And I love this, though, too. Not only is it important to put on the armor of God, but also check your armor daily. Like, man, is my shield, like, is my faith, is it lacking right now? Oh, is my sword dull? Like, oh, are my, are my boots getting all, all ruggedy? I got holes in my boots? <laughs> I don't know. I got a stick in my boot, y'all. Yeehaw, right? I don't know. That ain't peaceful. It's a stick in your boot. So my point is, right, you have to check your armor every single day. So T, test every thought. H, helmet your head with the armor of God. I stands for imagine the future. And I want you just to kind of, for a second, think about all the great promises that God has given, not only you, but all of his people. And what's crazy is that there's people in this room who don't know the promises of God. And it's hard Actually, I'll say it's impossible to know God's future for you if you don't know his promises given to you. So to imagine the future, you must know what he has said over you. You must know his promises. See, imagine great thoughts. Imagine great things that Jesus has already given you. God gives you power. Second Timothy, for the spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and a sound mind. God's presence brings joy. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life, and you fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God will give you strength, and he will help you. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. God will give you wisdom. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. God promises you an abundant life. I want you to hear this. The thief comes only to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that he may have life and have it abundantly. God has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29.11 for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And God can be and should be trusted. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. So you have to be able to imagine the future. Why do I put imagine the future? Because if you're in a battle, sometimes it's hard. Like, some battles are battles. Let me tell you, you thought you could not get out of those battles. You thought it's been going on for way too long. But God wants you to remind, to remind yourself of his promises. See, the enemy will try to attack how you see God, the character of God, and how you see yourself. But you have to be aware of the promises that God is giving you. So the N stands for nourish the good, and starve the lie. Nourish the good, starve the lie. And this is a Lindsay Wright quote. She said, you can't have celery juice with a McDonald's meal and call it good. It's true. You have to learn how to nourish the good and starve the lies. 
Romans 12, 2 says this. Let me get on the board there. Awesome. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So you cannot conform to the patterns of the world, but you have to learn how to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You guys see a theme here? It starts, the battle starts in your mind. So where do you, or how do you, what should you starve and what should you nourish? Um, for, for capital youth, we have like these four uh, indicators, these, these four pillars of, of where you're at or, or how to be a, a thriving Christian. And it's your community, uh, your, your worship life, your prayer life, and your word life. How, how will you read the word? And so for worship, it's, it's simple. Worship is honoring God with your whole being, spirit, soul, and body. It's the opposite of, of being self-serving. And isn't it crazy, uh, these past couple of months, we've kind of had our eyes open to the, the ways of the enemy. And uh, the church, or the Church of Satan, how do you say what it's called? The, their, their very first rule is doing whatever thy will. Do whatever you want. That's the opposite of what full worship actually is. See, I, it's, to me, it's, it's crazy. Um, I grew up in California, and there's a county called Yolo County. And Yolo County, that was the coolest county because I was like, oh my gosh, you go to Yolo County and you can do whatever you want because it's Yolo. You only live once, bruh, send it, you know? But what I realized is that that's the opposite of what worship fully is. See, worship is all about honoring God every single second, every single minute with how you think, how you believe, what you see, what you dream about. See, it's the opposite of yourself. See, I, I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but I really feel like this generation needs to learn how to worship better. Um, it's, worship necessarily isn't about a feeling. Let me just say that for a second. Um, like I love, I love, 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 love jumping up and down, right? I'm a, I'm a youth pastor, so I will jump up and down all day until my knees give out. But worshiping, it's not about the feeling of jumping up and down. It isn't about the feeling of, 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 of your tears or like waiting for you to get the shakes. Like, oh, I can feel the goosebumps now. No, bro, it's just cold inside. Get a jacket. <laughs> Worship truly is looking up away from your current battles and your current circumstances and saying, Jesus, you are bigger than everything else around me. And in that moment of leaving yourself and focusing on Jesus, focusing on God, everything else around you disappears. And you find yourself in the pure presence of God. And then, yes, the feelings come, the feelings of peace and joy and happiness, right, of of this overwhelmingly feeling like you're accepted and you can't help but just jump up and down for the next two hours because his presence is that good. But we cannot be worship um, um, feeling addicts. I mean, that we have to like wait to like feel the certain mood to be able to worship Jesus. He is worthy of worship even when we don't feel like worshiping Jesus. That's, that's worship. The word, 
It says this in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even through the dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts. Wow. Thoughts. The thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. See, and I, I, I think it's kind of crazy that uh, we get kind of offended when um, people start preaching the word and it kind of contradicts what we want. That's a good thing, just so you know. Or that feeling of like, ah, oh, I did not want to hear that. I did not want to be told that. I didn't want to feel that, that, that feeling that I am in the wrong. The word should do that. The word should correct you. Because Jesus wants to. God wants to correct you. He wants to be better than how you were 10 minutes ago or a half hour ago. He wants you to grow. See, growing, growing up isn't always easy. You got, you got growing pains. You got taxes. You got car payments, right? You got dog poop, right? It's crazy. But the world doesn't want to correct you. It wants to just label you. Oh, you know, you're, you're an addict. It's okay. This is the addict section. You know, th- th- this is the heartbroken section over here. Oh, this is the press section. This is stay how you are. They want to label you with every single possible label because the world knows, the world knows that if it can label you, it can confine you. Because the world knows if it can label you, it can confine you. Labels are not freeing, they are restricting. And the word of God wants to take you out of the labels and put you into his kingdom. That's what freeing freedom looks like. Let the word set you free. So there's worship, word, community. Uh, community, this is a pretty obvious one. Um, good community takes you to where God wants you to go. Nourish the community that wants you to go where God wants you to go. Nourish the community that wants to take you where God wants you to go. And starve out the community that doesn't care about where you're at. Doesn't care about where you're going. Can I just be honest here for a second? When it comes to nourishing that, like nourishing the good and starving out the lie, like these moments of of having to to do that aren't always easy. Like you ever have to like go on a hardcore diet, aka rice cakes and peanut butter. Like like man, wedding season, bro. I ate probably half of the world's rice cakes. I should have bought stocking rice cakes. I would have been a bajillionaire, right? My point is this, though. When you're, when, you're, when you're nourishing yourself properly, the first couple of weeks is tough. Like, you ever have, like, no caffeine for a month? Lord forbid. I'm so sorry if you ever have. It's crazy. Like, what am I doing? I'm grumpy. I'm itchy. I'm sweating for no reason. I smell like beef. Like, what is happening? <laughs> Just me? I don't know. <laughs> Confession time. Lord, forgive me. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Danielle's like, babe, stop embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing me. I don't get embarrassed. So I just, I don't know. Anyways, right? So like, but my point is this though, right? When we're nourishing ourselves, the first couple of minutes or moments, it's hard. Like telling that good community, hey, I need more of you, but this isn't what I'm used to. This doesn't taste like, like what food tastes like. Like broccoli tastes like dirt. Like, I need a ton of salt and pepper and ranch dressing and cheese for the, just me. Anyway. But my point is that for the first couple of moments, 
getting nourished on what's healthy for you is hard. But after a while, you start seeing the fruit of being properly nourished. You see the fruit of properly taking out, starving those things that are bad for you. What happens? Your, your inside changes first, but then your outer appearance starts, starts being affected. People start saying, oh, man, you look different. Oh, you look healthy. What's going on? Oh, I've been able to starve out the bad, and I've been nourishing what's been good in my life. Look at my biceps. They're huge now. Kachinga, chicken. Come on, right? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, in the last part, so it's, there's, there's worship, word, community, and there's prayer. And I want to challenge us because Capital Church is phenomenal when it comes to praying. Capital Church is phenomenal at praying. Part of the body of Christ is phenomenal at praying. So my question is, when it comes to nourishing the good in that part of your life, have you been able to nourish a prayer life? And what's the opposite of a prayer life? Negative self-talk or gossip. I have this phrase, before you come vomit to me, go up before you chuck this way, okay? Go to Jesus before you come to me, homie, okay? Because he's going to answer it better than how I'm going to answer it. So your prayer life is important. But once again, has anybody like ever tried praying and it's just awkward? Like anybody else just like get distracted while praying? <laughs> my wife knows this about me. I can't pray at night with my eyes closed because it turns to a dream. Like, I'd be like, I'd be like, Jesus, thank you for blessing me with my beautiful wife and an elephant on a peanut. And oh my gosh, is that a razor? Oh my gosh, what is it doing? Run away, Forrest, run away. Like, it gets like, she's like, what are you talking about? I don't know. I don't know, babe. Help me. Pray for me, right? My point is this, though, right? My point is this. Praying, praying also, nourishing those, those good things, it takes time to develop a really strong prayer life. But don't get discouraged. The enemy's going to be so good at saying, oh, you can't pray. Like, you ever kind of, like, go to a prayer, a prayer time here at church, and your heart's beating real fast? You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm supposed to say this prayer. And you, like, maybe just me, I go, 10, 9, 8, seven. Okay, God, no one's going to do so. I'll do it now. Uh, right? Like, this, just me? Okay, cool. Awesome. <laughs> right? But my point is this. Nourishing that proper prayer life takes time, but don't get discouraged. Don't let the enemy discourage you when it comes to your prayer life. You can stand firm and know that when you pray, he's listening even if it isn't pretty and eloquent. Because Proverbs 18, 21 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love it will love, will, will eat its fruit. And as the band comes up, T stands for think about it, H stands for helmet, I imagine the future, and nourish the good, start the lie, and K is simple, keep going. Keep going. Second Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This, look at there for a second, T. Is that T back there? I'm so proud of you. T, you've been, T, you're, you're keeping on. I'm so proud of you. But for real, T, I'm proud of you. For real, for real. I don't want to embarrass you in front of everybody, but you've been crushing it, fam. You're, keep, you're keeping on, keeping on. Come on. Can I be real for a second, guys? Like, like, I think you kind of overcomplicate, like, the Christian walk. 
like, is it Eugene Peterson? It's long obedience in the sin direction. Like, part of being, like, a solid Christian is just keep going. Like, it's simply just, like, keep showing up. Like, you might not know what you're doing or why you're doing it or even how to pray or the right community or how to read the word. But, man, if you just keep on showing up, if you just keep on fighting the good fight, if you just keep on walking, you will finish the race. You will be, like, there will be so many. I just, I can just only imagine um, in, in heaven um, the amount of shoes there are in heaven. Hear me out. This is kind of a weird thought. Just hear me out, right? The shoes of peace, um, to me, right, they're like, they're like, they're actual shoes. And I feel like part of it, like, you keep walking over a long period of time and your shoes begin to get kind of, kind of worn out. You ever have, like, you have, like, a fair pair of shoes that just, like, just don't have any trade anymore? But you still keep them? Because, like, they're your, like, your memory shoes? You know what I'm saying? Like, your vans from your wedding, right? I don't know. Like, maybe, like, you have those shoes, Right? But my, my point is, is that I feel like one day we're going to go to heaven and we're going to open up our, our super cool walk-in closet, right? I don't know. <laughs> and we're going to see all of, our, all of our shoes. And they'll be like, 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 like labeled, oh, July 15th, 2020. That was a tough season, but you just kept on going. Yep, you just put on some new shoes and kept on walking in faith. Kept on walking in that peace. You just kept on walking. See, can I be honest? Part of this journey as a Christian is not that complicated. It's just keep on going. You just keep on going. You know, and that's what I realized this past couple of years. Um, the enemy wants you to stop. He wants you to stop in the valley and look around and make you run away. He wants you to stop and uh, recognize your, yourself. Recognize the position you're, you're currently in. And I, I honestly believe this in the bottom of my heart. The reason why uh, so many Christians uh, profess their faith for such a long period of time and then something happens and later on they deconstruct their entire faith is simply because they lost their ability to keep going. They got worn out. They got worn out and they didn't have strong community to tell them, hey, keep on going. They didn't have a strong prayer life so they can hear, oh my gosh, God does still love me. I can remember the promises God has given me. They didn't remember the word that is sharper than any two-edged sword and it can separate what their soul is feeling what their spirit is knowing. Can I be honest? Yes, this is, I'm just going to go after it tonight. I'm just believing that this is the generation that we see ourselves between heaven and earth right in the middle and we see so many miracles. People see us as a walking miracle because we've been through seasons and trials and tribulations, but we keep on walking. We keep on going. See, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You know, people will notice you when you walk, especially today. You ever like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I loved uh, the season of my life where I was living downtown and I had some roommates, Keegan and Jay and Caleb, and they just go for walks. Like, Keegan would just go for walks for forever. He just walk. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start walking. I felt so awkward walking around. Bro, go for a walk outside, like, on a main street. You get embarrassed. 
Like you're just, you're just waiting for that text. Hey, Pastor Rob, why are you walking? Is your car broken down? No, it's not broken down. I wanted to get some fresh air. Like walking is awkward nowadays. Is it not awkward nowadays? My point is this though. People notice when you walk. They see you. They see you sweating, <laughs> breathing heavy, <laughs> bent over, faking tying your shoes, right? <laughs> Just me, okay, once again, confession time. I believe that, man, when people see you just keeping on, man, people are going to say, hey, why or how are you doing that? What is it that motivates you? What is it that, that drives you? How have you been able to, to stay, the, stay the same pace, kept on in faith, in the midst of all those trials, in the midst of all those tribulations, all the adversity in the entire world, but yet you still just kept on pursuing Jesus. Can you show me why? I see your fruit in your life now. I've seen all the miracles in your life now. I've seen the blessings that God has given you now. I've seen the moments of, your, of finding yourself between heaven and earth. I see you, and I want to be a part of what you're, you're doing. You know, there, there's, there's this thing we do, and I, I just saw the image right now, and it, it's one of my favorite things to see. I think we did it last Christmas where we had the, the candles. Oh, it was so cool. We had the candles. And this, like, it, so this, so Friday was my second year of being a full-time youth pastor here at Capitol Church. Second year. First year was tough. Definitely should have left. <laughs> COVID was a woozy. Let me tell you, online church is not the, de- um, but, we were, we, were, we were at church and they had this moment of there's people in the, in the whole this, this whole place was filled full of people and they, and they held the candles in their hands and Pastor Ken said who's been following Jesus for, for a year it's been a year go ahead and blow out your candle right five years ten years twenty years twenty five I'm like oh my gosh that's forever thirty years that's older than me forty years 50 years, 60, 70. There's people like in the front row usually. Some in the back, yeah. 80 years. Just barely able to hold their candles up. And I go, oh my gosh. How many miracles have they seen? Even just looking at them, that's a miracle. God, you're you're so good. You're so faithful. All your promises are yes and amen. I can see it in a simple candle being held at a Christmas service because the person in the back or the person in the front was simply able just to hold on, to hold on to the light, to hold on to the way, the truth, and the life that is only found in Christ Jesus. And in that moment, it gave me so much encouragement. I didn't know I needed that that little Christmas service, the little candle being held. That was, to me, that was the most impactful day of like, I could think of in church for a long time because I had made a promise to myself that 2 Timothy 4, 7 will be my story. That I have fought the good fight. I'm a fighter. I don't quit. Mama did not raise a loser. 
but I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. I've kept it. I've kept it. And as you guys all stand up, I just want to pray for you. I just want to want to encourage you. That you can trust his promises in your life. So yeah, yeah, you can trust the promises of God over your entire life. And I honestly, I feel this. Um, I just want to encourage a few people in this room. And I want to encourage you when it comes to four, four things. The first one is worship. Maybe you've been in a season of uh, worshiping yourself. Worshiping yourself. And what I'm going to do, I'm just going to name these things out and we're just going to pray them. Pray them away. Pray that we can just starve those things that are holding us back, those strongholds, those traps of the enemy. And we can begin to fully surrender all of ourselves to God. And then you can begin to see the fruits of a life fully surrendered. We can see a life, a life and what it looks like to be fully surrendered in worship, in the word, in community, in prayer. So the first group is worship. Even serving yourself. And you, and you know, man, it, it hasn't taken you that far. It's been a heartbreak after a heartbreak after a heartbreak. Bad decisions after bad decision after bad decision. And you thought that it was going to help you. But in reality, only worshiping yourself has hurt you. If that's you in the room, and you just need to be empowered to nourish true worship, not the feeling not the location, but true worship, mind, body, soul, spirit. Being able to look at Jesus in all circumstances. That's you. You can keep all eyes open. I don't care anymore. Keep your eyes open. It doesn't matter. Don't be distracted. Who cares? That's you. And you want to get encouraged and be able to to, nourish that part of your life. Raise your hand. That's you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Jesus. Second group is the word. You feel like you've been labeled by the word, by the world for far too long. And I put this down. See, the, the word is the victory. You add an L to it, and that's the world. But the word wants to set you free. And you've been in this room, and you're not free from the labels of the enemy. And part of it's just shame. So once again, I'm going to keep your, your eyes open. Because look, we're all human in this room. Kind of kind of just give a quick little moment, man. If there's anything in my life that I want to address, a little 1%, I'm raising my hand. I'm like, God, why not? Why not, Lord? So if you need to be able to learn how to nourish when it comes to the word and being set free of the labels of the enemy, that's you in this room. Can you raise your hand? Thank you, Jesus. The third one is community. You know you have people in your life that aren't feeding you proper food. They aren't speaking life into you, but they're taking away from you. And you need to learn, one, where to find a better community. And the answer is right here. Hello. (laughs) But you need to learn how to starve out those negative influences healthily. Be able to starve out those people who aren't pouring into you properly. Any strength and wisdom for those conversations? Can you raise your hand? That's you in this room. Thank you, Jesus. And the last one is prayer. You've been talking negative about yourself or others for far too long, or you feel ashamed of your own voice. 
Can I tell you, tell you that's the enemy trying to take away your voice because your voice has the power of life and death. And you're going to choose life. So you're tired of the enemy taking away your ability to give life to others and yourself. And it's time for you to be set free of the trap of not being able to speak out of the goodness of God. If that's you, can you raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your honesty, man. I love that. Eyes open, too. Come on. If that was you in this room, can you raise both hands in the air? I'm just going to pray for you. Jesus, right now, I pray just for an, embo- uh, an emboldenment, being able to em- empower us, Holy Spirit, to be able to see, to believe, to understand, to comprehend, God, what you have given us, and that's freedom, that's power, that's love, it's a sound mind, God. So right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that we can think about the battles that are happening here, present time, that we can think about, God, the things that are holding us back from pursuing you, and God, we can learn how to attack those things with the sword of the Spirit, with the Word of God, that we can learn how to be in community that is healthy, God, we can learn how to be, uh, man, prayer warriors who have a voice and that is heard, God, that, that it can be heard as far as east is from the west. God, that we can be uh, people, God, who and not just pray, not just in community, God, that we, we love your word. We, we, we open it up. It speaks life to us. It frees us. God says, for the Son sets free is free indeed. God's the word as it begins to overpower us, God, with his wisdom and wisdom and wisdom, God. It transforms us, God. So allow the word of God to transform us today and the rest of our lives. Thank you, Jesus. And God, when it comes to worship, let it be us, God, who we're not in it for a feeling. We're not in it, God, for anything else, God, but it's to give you all the glory and all the praise. It's the one thing you can't do, and it's worship you. God, so I pray that we can be the ones who worship you with our whole heart, our whole being. God, so right now, God, we're going to take time and put our pride to the side, God, and be able to fight the battles of faith right now in this moment. God, I don't know what's holding us back tonight, God. I don't know what the battle's been in our mind. If it's false labels, if it's the past sin and shame, God, if it's past identity issues, God, I pray right now, by your blood, Jesus, you can set us free to be able to fight these battles the way you wanted us to fight them with you. So do whatever you want to do right now in this time of worship, Jesus. Take over. Take over, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for joining us today. To stay connected with our community, you can follow us at Capital Young Adults.